Coming to you from McCracken County High School, it is another episode of The Main Report. Episode 17, it is Brendan Evers here with you alongside my twin, Jameson Evers. Uh, We are The Main Report here at McCracken County High School. Hello. And with us first today is the principal of McCracken County High School for the first time ever, uh, Mr. Hauser. And we're going... uh, to just get right into it here. So, Mr. Hauser, it has been yeah. an interesting year. Uh, that, I think that's an understatement, yeah. So, if there's one, if there's just kind of one thing that has been the biggest challenge this far, or this year so far, what has it been? Well, well first of all, guys, thanks for having me. Uh, Absolutely. I'm a fan of the show, and, uh, you know, I'm glad to have this opportunity to to sit down with you guys. But, uh, and there's all kinds of challenges. Uh, this is, uh, you know, unprecedented times, and you hear that word a lot. Um but right now, the big thing is just uh, students doing their work, staying caught up, you know, with uh, the hybrid version of learning that we're doing. Kids are only in person two days a week. And uh, sometimes, you know, it's tough to remember that 60% of the time they're virtual learners. And then we have over 700 kids right now, which that number is huge, that are virtual all the time. And so it's it's been difficult to, to make sure that students um, are keeping up with their work and staying on on track so so we're kind of dealing with some of the after effects of that right now so so has there been any difference this year between are like are kids doing their work less per se than they would have in previous years when they were in school all the time oh absolutely yeah there's just not as much accountability when you're not face when to somebody's face with not telling you to, yeah. to get on doing your work yeah which is totally understandable because I, I was a teenager once and it would have been very difficult for me to stay motivated and you know if i'm not in person so i, I get it it's almost uh, as if you know this time has forced or you know kind of made teenagers and you know all students kind of grow up a little bit get fat or bit faster and get absolutely. more accountable for their own work yeah absolutely uh, like i said I, i'm not you know disconnected from the time i was a teen and it would have been very hard for me to stay self-paced and motivated so um you know we we understand but we really need kids to step up and and get those credits because in high school it's uh it's a credit accumulation game to graduate you've got to have x number of credits or you simply don't graduate so uh, that's kind of the challenge we're we're facing right now. I think oftentimes too, people I know or even myself, it's sometimes easy to forget you have to do something mm-hmm. when you're not there. And you when you're not there, go. and you're yeah. oh yeah. And particularly like if you're virtual, it's easy to just forget to do anything that week. Yeah, just totally. Not remember. And. Absolutely. Not, not even think about it. And we're trying to balance. Uh, the teachers are doing a great job, but everybody's trying to balance. We know that some kids are struggling. We know that kids have limited access to maybe Internet or some kids are having to work more or uh, have other responsibilities. And so we certainly want to extend grace and try to meet kids where they are. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, uh, we, we need them to accumulate those credits. And so that's kind of what we're doing now is going back and trying to uh, – trying to really see between now and the end of the year, how can we uh, accumulate as many credits as we can for these kids that have been struggling? So so in terms of, uh, you know, the times we're in with coronavirus mm-hmm. and stuff, there's a lot of people that it would, or people that have say, well, because of the amount of virus in the area that they're, you know, a lot of schools would be closed. But in terms of what we're doing here at the school with all of our mitigation efforts, how confident are you that all students are really safe in the building more so than if they would had been virtual? 
Oh, I'm very confident, Brendan. Uh, we had, from the start, um, the majority of the cases that we've experienced here have been things outside of school. Absolutely. Um, it started with a lot of uh, friends and couples, things like that, uh, that were, weren't even on the same A or B schedule. You know, those kids would would, would come down with the virus. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm totally confident in what we're doing here. Um, you know, right now on the hybrid schedule, um, we haven't had to quarantine one student because of uh, because of proximity in a classroom. Now we've had some team team sports and, and groups like that that have had to be quarantined, but we have not had to quarantine one student, which is incredible. And it was one of the Mr. Ha- or Mr. Uh, Carter at one point told us, and it was a great point that the more you have students in the building, the more they're following correct or the correct procedures for COVID, and they're masked and staying distant. Well, so that's a great argument for why students should be in the building, yeah, much less that it's a, a better learning environment. Leading up to the school year, one thing that I kept hearing at meetings and conferences and things like that were uh, comments uh, like, you know, students aren't going to want to wear a mask. It's going to be difficult to mandate that or manage that. And uh, the whole time I, I, I figured um, that students had the end of the school year and the summer to kind of get accustomed to the mask. And I did not think it was going to be a big deal. And I'll tell you what, the kids have proven me right on that. I mean, we have not had any issues with kids wearing masks and I have, uh, I have been so impressed with the kids. I mean, we have on occasion, you know, I stand at the door in the morning and kids are coming in and, you know, out of the hundreds of kids that come in that entrance, there may be two that we have to give a mask to, They, you know, who've forgotten it. But um, we've had zero discipline issues with masks. Um, I'm really been impressed with kids. Um, so what would you say would be one of the hardest things that people may not realize is different this year than compared to previous years where you're just, it's a normal school year? Um, it's kind of a, <laughs> that's, that's kind of a, a really thing. broad question. Sorry. Yeah, I'm trying to think through um, the decisions. Every, everything carries a lot of weight this year. There's just a lot of weight behind anything that we do, you know, whether it's a, a ball game or a class or an outing. I mean, mm-hmm. we're not just worried about the health and safety of kids like normal. We're worried about the health and safety of kids as it relates to the virus and spreading of the virus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's added multiple layers of complication to the decision-making process. And so um, really everything that we do has to be intentional. And uh, it has, it, it's made everything quite a bit more complex. Absolutely. So, yeah. And uh, one of the things that I, the biggest differences uh, between this year, uh, this year and uh, last was the start time for the day yeah. was sign- or was moved up uh, and we now get out uh, earlier. So it's kind of like we, the middle school and the high school times flip-flopped. Um, so I, what, from what I've been hearing, the biggest, one of the toughest things was managing bus schedules and bus routes Yes. Um, and managing um, any kind of distance on a school bus. So talk about the how, how has transportation changed just getting kids here? Um, so if it's for an academic purpose, there are uh, you can have more kids on a bus than you can for um, an athletic purpose. Yeah. So uh, so getting kids to school um, hasn't been an issue as far as fitting kids on the bus. Of course, they wear their mask and those types of things are seating charts. Um, but the transportation is actually handled by our transportation director. And so she has to manage the elementary, middle and high school. Um, and so actually moving the start time 
for the high school up to to six fifty as far as the arrival time has has helped across the district and it's helped um, alleviate some issues that were present when we started later so um, it's it's a nightmare to coordinate and it's you know I, I don't envy her having to, to to design that schedule and when you look at our massive county and the number of roads and whatnot and the times but uh, she's done a great job and uh, you know we had some we had some growing pains with it, you know, which we always do and we expected as buses are learning new routes and things like that. Uh, for about three or four weeks, we had a couple buses that were consistently late. But as they make tweaks and adjustments, we haven't uh, we haven't had that issue lately. So, How adjustable would you say the staff has been through uh, this entire school year? Oh, gosh. I think the staff have, have been incredible. Um, and they've demonstrated uh, an incredible flexibility that uh, I don't even think anyone um, realized that they were capable of. I mean, we've asked them to do um, so many things differently than they have in the past. And um, it seems like every day we're having to ask for just a little more or something just a little different. And um, I'll tell you what, they've really rolled up their sleeves and have, have made the adjustments. Um, I could not be more proud of a staff. I mean, we have uh, 2,000 kids, and we have you know a couple hundred adults in the building, and it it takes um, everybody willing to do their part to make this work. And so I'm really really proud of the flexibility of the staff. So it was uh, last week, right, that the teachers some could get the vaccine. Yeah. Um, how many teachers got that across uh, here, and then um, it was it was Reedland too, wasn't the other one? Yeah, the, I, the sites were here and at Reedland. Yes. Uh, yeah, I don't know the exact level. I don't know the exact percentages. Um, as far as, uh, you know, the percentage of teachers that received it across the district, not everybody, because people have varying opinions on, on the vaccine and whatnot. But uh, we had a lot of teachers receive the vaccine. Um, I think there were 650 uh, across the district. And so um, of the folks that I've talked to, uh, a lot of thrilled to death to get the vaccine. Um, you know, we're willing to willing to do whatever it takes to get back to normal. And I say that in quotes. Uh but uh, we, we want to do, if it's, if it's a vaccine, if it's wearing masks, if it's uh, scooting desk around, I mean, we want to do whatever it takes to get kids back. Um, and if you're just joining us, it's the main report with uh, McCracken County uh, or here at McCracken County High School with the principal, uh, Mr. Hauser, um, the, you know, off the kind of piggybacking off the vaccine was every staff member that wanted one. Could they have gotten one? Oh, certainly. Yeah. So the uh, district sent a survey to us about a month before the vaccine, and uh, we were able to select whether or not we wanted to to take the vaccine at that time. And so then they compiled a list and ordered the exact number of vaccines based on the response for staff. So every staff member had the opportunity. Yes. Was there any kind of logistical challenge with that to finding people to administer the vaccines or getting people to work oh, at those little uh, the clinics? Absolutely. Uh, Mr. Brian Boland from Central Office and uh, John Adjarn, Assistant Superintendent, they, uh, they had a huge task on their hands. And I know that they worked uh, long hours, day and night, to coordinate that. And from what I saw, uh, I was only at the McCrane County High School site. Uh, the testing went off without a hitch. It was amazing. I think we administered 400 vaccines here, and wow. uh, there was no waiting time, anything like that. They had it scheduled, and man, they did a great job. So kudos to them. Wow. Yeah. Um, so this is your second year as the uh-huh. principal. We'll kind of take a step back from the yeah. the monotony of the coronavirus <laughs> talks. Um, this is your second year. So what kind of experience did you learn as your first year of being the high school principal here? 
that you've uh, taken into this year to make yourself a better principal? Yeah, so I had the, uh, uh, I, I was fortunate to be a house principal here, uh, you know, since the school opened. And then I had a little experience at Lone Oak High School before that as an assistant principal and then the head principal that last year. Absolutely, and so, yeah. Um, you know, all those experiences and kind of sitting, sitting at, in the house principal role for seven years until, uh, until I took this seat, I think it really allowed me the opportunity to get to know the school, the staff, the students, the community. Uh, and I think that, um, you know, as a house principal, um, you know, I think the, the things that we do well and that we have done well, you know, we want to make sure we continue those and, and uh, continue to do that. And there, and there are many, but there are also some things that we wanted to try to improve and adjust. And so, um, again, I had the luxury of being an assistant principal for many years and, you know, having conversations with, with teachers and students and community members about things that we could tweak and adjust here and there. So that's kind of what, what we wanted to do um, when we started. And, and again, the year kind of took a turn <laughs> that we didn't expect. Yes. And now it's continued. Nobody could and have expected. It, and it's still on that detour as we speak. But, uh, you know, when we are able to return to normalcy, there are, uh, there are several things that, that we had in the works that uh, I think would benefit kids and, and our school community. So um, very excited about those. Absolutely. Yeah. And for those who don't know mm-hmm. um, kind of how McCracken County High School works with the different house principals and counselors, um, I don't know if you could kind of explain that in a nutshell to how it works uh, with students, because as you said, you were a house principal yeah, before so, this. So uh, the school is divided into five sections. Uh, it's a large school, around 2,000 students. And so um, to make it more manageable for counseling staff and administrative staff, um, the house is divided into five sections. And we feel like that's a benefit for students who, upon entering as a freshman, uh, their classes, the majority of their core classes will be in that house. And so they kind of get the lay of the land and they get to know some staff members, um, you know, in one section of the building before they get up into some classes, you know, sophomore, junior, senior year that will lend to spreading out over the building. So uh, we feel like that model has been pretty successful. Um, I like the fact that a counselor and an administrator are kind of dedicated to one house all four years. And so, um, you know, you're not having to change counselors every year and search for, you know, the junior counselor if you want to apply for this, you know, scholarship or whatnot. Uh, you know, you know who your counselor is and they've known you since your freshman year. Uh, so that's kind of the model is to the small school within a school. And, uh, you know, there are pros and cons to to that model, but uh, we seem to have have done pretty well with it so far. And I think one of the biggest benefits that I've felt uh, with that model is at the uh, kind of in the spring of every year, obviously not last year, it kind of changed a little bit, but in the spring of every year, your guidance counselor will call you into their office Mm -hmm. and one-on-one they talk you through your next year's schedule to make sure that you're either want to be continue with the career path or make sure that you're uh, signing up for the correct classes. And I do want to say that you're exactly right whenever they they do do a pretty good job of keeping you uh, within your house mm-hmm. for some of your core classes. Because for um, myself in particular, I had a math class in a, my biology class freshman year in my house. And then mm-hmm. as we went on, it kind of spread out. Yep. Um, so I, th- I think it's a fairly successful model. Um, and what's great about McCracken is that there's so many different opportunities. And that uh, as you spread, that's how you end up spreading out across the building. Um for for example, this media lab is only here yeah. in House One, 
Yeah, it's incredible too. Sitting here, this is this is a nice setup. So you spoke earlier about some of the things you wish to to change. I don't know if you're at will at willing to speak of any some of the things you might want to change whenever we get back to a more closer thing to normal, or just start. Or yeah, or just... yeah. So so some of the little adjustments that um, a lot of them are things that maybe students wouldn't notice, but it's how we structure our organization as far as uh, uh, you know with communication making sure that uh, teachers and uh, are in the loop and making sure that counselors are in the loop and uh, keeping all the admin on the same page. Um, so there's a lot of or- organizational communication structure that uh, was addressed. Um, and then uh, we wanted we wanted to come up with some solutions to get some kids a little more help than, than we've uh, been able to provide in the past. And so uh, we put some systems in place for especially our incoming freshman students um, to, to get a little bit more help and support because um, some, of all, some of them just need some organizational assistance, the understanding of credits and, and you know, the credit system, how that works. Um, and so, so there are definitely some systems in place like that that, uh, that we wanted to look at. We wanted to improve some of the instructional coaching for our staff and uh, made some decisions to address that. Um, and so those are just some little adjustments, like I said, that students may not notice, but just some things that, that we wanted to do from the inside with our staff to, uh, to improve the efficiency of the school. And so, you know, a lot of those things, as you have mentioned, have kind of had to take a back burner as we're on the detour uh, of the coronavirus. And one thing I've noticed this week, which is kind of exciting, that I don't think a lot of the freshman class got this year, is that you, we had some middle schoolers coming into the building to yeah. uh, take tours. Um, I don't know how much of, I'm sure you were a big part of that. So, um, how is it, is it exciting to get middle schoolers back into the building and kind of see something normal return? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things that we've done since the school opened is uh, the middle school tours. And so, um, every year they get to come over and, um, in the past we've done the, uh, house sorting activity where students find out. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's kind of like Harry Potter style, but, uh, (laughs) But, you know, we always enjoy doing that. And, and anytime uh, middle school kids can get over here and, and see the building, you know how it is. When you're at the end of your eighth grade year, man, you're kind of ready for the next thing, excited about high school. And um, and so, you know, we love to get the kids in the building so they can, you know, continue to build on that excitement and, uh, you know, familiarize them, themselves a little bit with, with the place. I remember the house sorting thing mm-hmm. when we did it. I thought it was the biggest deal in the world that I was with none of my friends. But it ends up your friends just change while you're in high school. Yeah, kind of, kind of funny how that works, right? <laughs> you're like, this yeah. doesn't really. It didn't matter a whole lot. It just matters who's in those classes. It ha- I mean, it happens to s- freshmen at some point, like where they end up in a class where they don't know anyone. Mm-hmm. We've seen some kids. It's kind of funny. We've seen some kids get upset, you know, because they think I'm not with my I'm friends. Not with any friends. Yeah, that, yeah. But I'm telling you, I, I mean, we have so many kids that come from different areas, different schools. And so it's almost like when you show up that you're, everybody's the new kid, right? And mm-hmm. so yeah. there's there's not that awkward scene from a movie where you walk in and the <laughs> the counselor brings you in and everybody's staring at you. It's not no. like that. <laughs> no. every, every, everybody is... Everybody ha- feels everybody, like they're having that moment. Yeah, everybody's new and, and feeling it out. So That's been one of the, the most uh, fun things about being a McCracken County student through all these four years is just how many people you meet mm-hmm. and the different things that you get to do uh, that maybe not wouldn't have happened had the the schools never combined, and that's uh, kind of exciting for me. And you as the principal here, mm-hmm. um, there's obviously the fun aspects of your job, and then yeah. the not as much fun. So, what is the most difficult part of your job, and the more most fun part of your job? 
managing uh, protocol and managing adults and managing um, procedural type of things. Um, and so kind of a, a macro view of education rather than the micro view. And so, um, you know, one thing that's difficult for me is I got into education because I absolutely love kids. I love being in front of kids when I was a teacher, um, super connected to all my kids that were in my class and just, just really enjoyed that piece. And, uh, and so even as an assistant principal, you know, you're dealing with discipline and, and things like that, uh, more so than I do now. Um, I had a lot more daily interaction with kids. And so as the head principal, um, I really had to be intentional if I want to have those interaction with kids, because it's easy to get caught up in procedures or protocol or dealing with this adult situation or dealing with this issue. And, um, and so I kind of have to keep, you kind of have to keep it in check and realize, man, it's about kids get out there and, and see the kids, talk to the kids, set up structures so that you can get input from kids. And so, um, that's one of the things about this job that, um, that I'm, I'm continuing to adjust in is how, how to manage both, because I do have a desire to be really connected with kids, but I also have a lot of tasks that require me to be um, in a different role. And so, exactly. so that's, a, that's yeah. a balancing act. Um, and, and things like this year, um, I love to think of uh, the fun things, the big ideas. You know, what can we do to make this more special for kids and, and whatnot? And, uh, you know, there hasn't been... A lot of that due to COVID. You There's know, been a whole the, lot of opportunity to yeah, do things like that. Yeah, with all the limitations, that kills me. It kills my soul because I want, you know, the homecomings and the proms and and, and all of those types of things and the student and the, sections. Yeah, the, the sold out basketball games. Yeah, you know, I'm, uh, even the field trips. You know, the our, our school typically takes a ton of field trips, and uh, it's all about experiences for kids. And you know, they haven't haven't been able to do that this year as much, and it's uh, you know that that's been tough. So um, there's there's been a, a kind of a few interesting things uh, that have happened um, over the course of the uh, last few years, and then all of them have been related to COVID, whether it be us going virtual or having to go virtual or changing schedules. Um, how do you envision the year will end? Do you envision us being on the same schedule or eventually, hopefully, getting us back um, you mean, four, four you days? Mean, do you see that happening anytime soon? I, I, I think so. I hope so. Um, I'm hoping that with uh, the vaccine rollout for teachers um, and the numbers on the decline a little bit for the state, I'm hoping that, that you know, sometime before too long, we'll be back four days a week. Uh, with, the, with the high virtual number, we still have over 700 kids, like I said, that, were virtu- that are virtual. And so... Which is crazy um, to think. Crazy to think. That's, so, that's, that's bigger than... That's more students than a lot of the high schools in our area. That's, that's have all, total. almost all the high schools in the area. Are yeah. Just so, um, so you know that that Monday will still be a virtual day, um, and, and our teachers really need that when they're balancing virtual kids and in-person kids. Um, but I hope I hope we come back sooner rather than later. Um, uh, four days a week is is better than than nothing. It's better than two days a week, and so um, I think the A B schedule has been the most difficult on teachers. And so four days a week would be a huge relief for them. They get to see kids every day. And I think it would really help, like I said earlier, help the kids have that face-to-face accountability of, you know, I got this due tomorrow. I better do it. <laughs> so Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So what would you say, like, your most fun or the most, like, a proud moment you've had as a principal in the last two years? Hmm. Good question. That is a good question. Um, 
there have been many. I think I would have to say, you know, my mind is flashing to, um, you know, being able to stand with kids last year in student section at games and things like that. And, um, you know, seeing some of the college signings and um, I, I would probably have to say the way we pulled off um, graduation last year. Um, because at that time, uh, decisions were having to be made quickly. We didn't know, um, you know, really didn't know one day from the next what, what was going to happen. And so um, so being able to provide a graduation experience for kids last year, um, even though it wasn't out on the football field with thousands of people, uh, we, were, we were able to create a special moment that was live streamed for kids, um, for family yeah. members. And, you know, it... it took the place over over several days i think it was four or five days i can't remember Mm -hmm. but uh you know and and standing there for hours and seeing kid after kid come by um i think that was special and i Mm -hmm. think that that kids uh, and families um you know appreciated you know us trying to do something to make it special for them and so uh, so I think that was probably the most proud I've been when that when the last kid walked across the stage and we realized that everybody had walked and everybody had graduated that was supposed to um, it was just a huge relief I mean because uh, we just kind of put a cap on a really tough tough end, end, end of the year, year. Yeah. Yeah. and so just to see uh, just to see how happy those families were to to celebrate that with them was was pretty special. And that was yeah kudos to everyone who was yeah. involved with oh, the planning of that tons of people involved because. In you know, it was one of those things where the seniors' year, we kept thinking we might get back, we might get mm-hmm. back, and then it, when we had to finally make the decision that we weren't going to come back, that last moment for every everyone's high school career is getting to walk across the stage yeah. and receive their diploma, and, and we made it work. We made it work. And yeah. I think that is something that we can still be proud of. Yeah. Uh, they still got their moment. Um, so the last thing is kind of yep. on a lighter note here. Um <laughs> The Super Bowl is this week, so on mm-hmm. a traditional year, um, what would you have done on Super Bowl Sunday, um, and then what might you be doing this Sunday, and who do you think will win? Oh, Lord. So, um, typically uh, on Super Bowls, uh, usually it's kind of a family event. Uh, my, my sister and her husband and uh, maybe one more family will get together, sometimes my parents. And so it's kind of a, a large, kind of a family gathering uh, for Super Bowls because we like to get the kids together as often as possible, and they, they love to watch and, and play and whatnot. And so um, so this year it'll be a little more low-key. Um, uh, we might watch it with my parents. Uh, I haven't really decided yet, but uh, I will definitely be watching. And um, I, think, I think the Chiefs will probably win. I think that they uh, – I think that with Patrick Mahomes and the talent he's he's got around him, I think they're probably going to score more points than than the Bucks will be able to to pull off. But I kind of think it would be awesome if Tom Brady wins another one. Just to be honest with you, so, <laughs> so I it, think I think the Chiefs will win, but I think it will be awesome if Tom's able to win in his first so are year. Are you rooting out. for Tampa then? Yeah, probably. I mean, okay. I'm not a I'm not a strong Tampa lean, but I do think. I like I like to see like excellence the excellence in sports, and I love to see those stories, you know. And so, um, it's pretty cool that he was able to make it to the Super Bowl in the first year that he's not in New England. And so, that would be a pretty impressive, you know, capstone on the career. Yeah, personally, I think it'd yeah. be cool to see a team win a home Super Bowl. Yeah, that's the first time it yeah. ever happened. Um, yeah. But uh, our grandparent or our grandpa and our great aunt, they're Chiefs fans. 
Yeah. So they'll hear this before they'll be mad at us. Oh, they're going to win several. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is incredible. I'm definitely going to be rooting for the Chiefs, though. Oh, yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think you're right, though. The story of that is really cool. Well, and, and again, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to win four or five before it's all said and done. So I, I don't know if this will be one. I'm sure it will because I think they are the better team. But He could be uh, the we'll next see. generation Tom Brady, right? It's probably better. I don't know. There's yeah. only one Tom. He's been doing it a long time. So, I mean, there's there's a reason he's the only one that's done it this long. <laughs> All right. So that is McCracken County High School's principal, uh, Mr. Matthew Hauser. Thank you for coming on yeah, the no show. Problem. Enjoyed it, man. It was a joy to have you. That's fine. Uh, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk a little bit more about McCracken County sports and Super Bowl Sunday. You can hear that next on The Main Report. Welcome back to the main report segment two here at McCracken County High School. It's Brendan Evers and Jamison Evers here with you. Um, that was Mr. Hauser in the first segment, the principal of McCracken County High School. And we are back for segment two, and we are going to talk about something fun that happens one time a year. It's the most watched event of the year, every of the year, year. Not, every never year, close in all in like across the world, in the world. Um, Unless it's a World Cup year. And it, I think it's even more watched than the World Cup final is normally. I, I would I don't know. Also because the World Cup final almost every time is at like 10 a.m. Because it's normally on the other hemisphere. Yeah. So it's like 10 a.m. So for none of the it, American people are watching. Except for when it happened when it was in, in Brazil. Brazil. If yeah. it's either in Brazil Somewhere or in Mexico, the U.S. Or, it's, normally, it's normally not in Mexico. Though. It's in a bigger country. Or a country with Could more be. money. Like Actually, I think the U.S., Canada, and Mexico are going to host a World Cup coming soon. That's How besides we the point. We're this. talking about the Super Bowl. We're talking about the Super Bowl. But there's another thing I have to say about the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl should be on a Saturday. Why? The most annoying thing is whenever NBC has it, and it's at like 7.05, and everybody's watching the Super Bowl, and then everybody goes to sleep at like midnight, and then you have work the next day. Mm. Or school. What time is the Super Bowl this year? It's at like five, six, five forty. Is it because NBC bought the rights to football after a certain time? Yeah. So every time NBC broadcasts a game, it the Super Bowl. It's always the late game. Like it's the latest uh, possible time. Interestingly enough, so but if for those who don't know, if you live under a rock, the two teams in the Super Bowl are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which are uh, they're still riding with Grandpa Brady, which. 43-year-old Tom Brady is somehow still a force to be reckoned with. The best thing the best thing I saw about this is Tom Brady's 43 and the Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes' dad is 50. So essentially like Tom Brady's is dad cl- down pr- Tom Brady is closer to the age of Patrick Mahomes' dad than he is to Patrick Mahomes. What that is insane. That's one of those random facts where you're like, "Wow." And that just that's kind of a testament and to be fair, we've talked about this before you and I. The uh the Tampa Bay Buccaneers should pretty much not be in there. Tom Brady played like garbage last week. He played or two horrible. weeks ago. If it'd been any other quarterback, they would be getting ridiculed. But it's Tom Brady. But it's Brady, so everybody's like, "Oh, he carried him." No, he didn't. He played terribly. It'd be like if Pete what? Rose went out on a baseball field and struck out four times. They wouldn't judge him. Okay, so it wasn't it completely terrible. The first half was good, but the second half was some of the worst quarterbacking you're ever going to see. How so? He threw three interceptions 
and one of them was one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen. Wow. Where he just takes a step and just chucks it as high as he can. Like Oh yeah, I remember that. You're supposed to you're supposed to have some idea of who you're throwing it to. You don't just throw it up and pray. So next week or so uh actually tomorrow's game features the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which interestingly enough, again, you've definitely heard this unless you've been living under a rock. It's the first time the home team has ever hosted a Super Bowl. Whoop whoop. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. It's like an impartial crowd, and there's not going to be much crowd. And there's only, like, I think it was 22%. So, I mean, in maybe a normal year, you may see... It may have been a difference. But you then, may see, again, the Super Bowl is so expensive. As you take a drink of iced coffee. Yeah, the Super Bowl is so expensive that you never really get that big of a... Like, that in that energized of a crowd. Mm-hmm. Because you priced out all the people that are like the big time the fans. fans. Yeah. It's just a bunch of rich people that show up and are just a, like a statement. Like, oh, I was at the Super Bowl. Like, it's more of a statement than you're not going as a fan. Like, if you're the average Kansas City Chiefs. That's a whole podcast fan. we could talk about price gouging with professional sports. Oh, you could talk about it with a bunch of things. Um, price gouging with pro- professional sports itself is the worst. Do you remember a couple would, years ago when the or was it last year when the Super Bowl was in uh, Atlanta? Yeah, and they're the team that does the reasonable concession prices, and they make more money than any other team doing that. Which doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't understand if so. And both, even like the uh, the Hawks now do that in Atlanta. And I don't know if the Braves do, but if they don't, they should. Over the years, you make like over the years, you make more money. If you do that, because more people will buy concessions. Exactly. If, like, if I go to the concession stand and I want a hot dog. And it's $2? So I go, yeah, but if I go to, um, say, St. Louis, to Bush Stadium. And it's $9. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay six fifty for a hot dog. Yeah. And then I go to Atlanta and to a football game and I pay for the same hot dog, but is um, $2. $2, right? Like, I'm going to be incentivized to buy more food. Exactly. Because it's not like those people go there and they're still hungry. It's just the business would end up going somewhere else. I'm Well, like, you know that's true. We've just gone on to our whole other podcast here. But it's like, if I go to a game, I purposely eat before or wait till after to eat because I'm not paying $25 just for myself to eat. No. The only thing I'll get gouged for is a drink just because I don't want to go thirsty and not drink anything for three hours. Yeah. But I like... I will not buy food there, but if the foods is like you are at Atlanta, everybody's going to buy food. But the weirdest thing about Atlanta was they have a Chick-fil-A, but they're an NFL team, so they play 90-some percent of their games on Sundays. How and stupid it's Chick-fil-A, is that? So it's still not open. Is it? Does it have like an outside entrance, like where if you're walking by on a normal day, I don't you can think go to so. Chick-fil-A? I think, it's a, I think it's raised. That is stupid. Yeah, what the it's po- just What's dumb. the point? I have no idea. Chick-fil-A, come on. Come on, I mean, Chick-fil-A. Like it, it's open like when they played the college football national championship game a couple years there a couple years ago, and it was open then, and then it's open like if they have Thursday night or Monday night football, but that's not very often. All right, so the Super Bowl, uh, this will be the 17th Super Bowl hosted in the state of Florida. I'm going to assume most of those have been in Miami. How many have been in Miami? I'm going to say 12. All right. You were one off. How many have been in Jacksonville? Two. One. 
And then so uh and, and the rest what, have been in Tampa. Tampa's, been, Tampa's had like five. So it's 11 for Miami, one for Jacksonville, and the rest have been in Tampa. Tampa's had five then. Yes. So uh, it's their fifth Super Bowl. Um, it's actually, a, so it's a 5.30 Eastern kickoff time, or sorry, 5.30 Central kickoff time. 6.30 Eastern. So, I mean, technically it's a night game because it'll be dark-ish. Yeah. Ish. In Tampa. It'll be dark when the second half kicks off can we talk about one thing that's completely unrelated to the game what Raymond James Stadium has an actual pirate ship I was really annoyed when they said they weren't going to fire the pirate ship when the Bucks score like it's a Bucks home game just let it be a Bucks home game like, like why sh- do we have to have oh there it's a neutral be- site game like no it's a Bucks home game well I mean you like here at McCracken that's one of the things is like last year we hosted the regional or the district basketball tournament you didn't see us, well, we toned a little bit of it down, but like when it comes to PA and all that stuff and student sections, we still acted like it was a home game. It's still a home game for the Bucks. Like There should be a little bit of they an, should an get advantage. That advantage. You happened to be in the Super Bowl when you were hosting the Super Bowl. You, that's an advantage. I do think it's a little unfair that they don't, that not everywhere gets to host a Super Bowl, like they host it in Miami three out of every 10 years or something like that. Okay, so I think it's a really big disadvantage for the teams that play, like Kansas City, in cold weather. So, like, that's a big disadvantage if you're the Green Bay Packers and you're practicing, like, if they made it to the Super Bowl. And now they have to play in 70-degree weather when they're used to practicing in 15-degree weather. Mm-hmm. I think it's a big disadvantage for the teams that are outside teams that normally would play outside, and that they're oh, the Super Bowl's always in warm weather. It's the same thing, kind of, in college football, where they're always played in a dome or in like Florida or New Orleans. Like you're hurting Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin, like all these teams that play outside cold weather. So now we've talked about the game itself. Let's talk about the more important part. Well, for one. Um, we just talked about it earlier where we're like, nobody, not many fans will get to attend said game. So yes. that will put in heightened importance on the commercials. The commercials have to be the, the, the star of the show this year. I don't really even like Super Bowl commercials. For the last it's year, I'm, I'm going to say I've been very disappointed with Super Bowl commercials recently. I don't think they... I just don't think it matters that much. Do you remember Kmart had some bangers of Super Bowl commercials? A couple of, two years like, in a row. It was there like was one ship my pants, ship. and then the next year they ship. attempted to top it with a not as funny commercial, but still funny, called Big Gas Prices. Talking about their gas rewards program. What no, are you talking about? Good. These big ass prices. Gas, G A S. Yeah, big gas prices. That's a, that's a big gas discount. <laughs> See, that's what it, that that's Gosh. the thing. I was like Kmart, like Kmart the, the thing being is, edgy. They, they're like, yeah, they're like, well, I just shipped my nighty or something like that. I just shipped my drawers. When you talk about Kmart commercials, like yes, they're memorable, but I don't. They definitely did not get it me to go into matter. my Kmart store. Yeah, so like you see the the Guinness commercial, not Guinness. um, Budweiser normally does it. They have a really like inspirational one with a Clydesdale or something. The Bud, okay, just another thing. Budweiser has had a great advertising campaign, and you see it now. Dilly dilly, like who? 
But like that doesn't incentivize anybody to buy Budweiser. No, like, but it's just fun to say when something goes right. Dilly dilly. dilly, dilly. Um, so yes, I talked about something that I enjoy about the Super Bowl, which is the commercials. I enjoy watching the game. Yeah, that's that's there too. That's the the key part. I will definitely be cheering hard for the Kansas City Chiefs, as will you. Yeah, I don't really care. I, w- I want the better team to win, and the better team is Kansas City. I also don't want to see Antonio Brown win, a, win anything of significance. Why? He's a POS. Wow. Good good save there. I was, I was fully expecting to have to bleep that. No. Antonio Brown, it's just... Look it up if you don't know. Just He's not a good oh, person. Oh, I, I know, but I wanted to elaborate i wanted you to have to explain yourself explain your anger there um yeah i I don't like antonio brown i don't really like tom brady either like mm. i think the story of the buccaneers is something you can kind of get behind which is cool nonetheless despite everything else what they were the most talented team in football and he just happened to be buccaneers yeah they got all pros everywhere oh yeah well so are the chiefs though the chiefs aren't as talented okay so the chiefs are the Chiefs are talented. If don't you took, start, if you don't took, try that game. If you took out the quarterbacks, it's like if the if the quarterbacks switch teams, and Mahomes was on the Buccaneers, the Bucks would win easily. Mm. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I still I would love to see Tom Brady throwing to Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey. That would be so much fun. Well, the bigger problem is the Chiefs' offensive line is not that great this year, mostly because they're all hurt. Um. And Tom Brady's a statue. He's slower than you, Bernie. Um, is he now? Yeah, he's pretty slow. Um, so that wouldn't work out very well. But the Bucks have the best, one of the best offensive lines in football. They have some, one of the best receiving cores in football. They have two good tight ends. One of them got hurt. They had three. The only thing that sucks on their offense is their running backs. Wow. And then they have the best defense in football. I'm gonna not going to lie. Like this podcast, I doubt many of them are like legitimate like the Super Bowl itself is fun to talk about. Yeah. But I'm not certain how many people follow that listen to the show, follow as closely football as I you. Want to go as deep into the weeds as me and some of the people I like. Associate you lost with. me. But I will say, um, before I forget about this, I want to go off on a tangent here, and I think you're gonna you're gonna want to elaborate a little bit on this tangent. There was an article written about us this week with the Paducah Sun. Yes. Um, it was an awesome article. Um, we were on the front page of the paper on Monday. On Monday, which is amazing, we were not expecting that. Okay. So Derek Oprel, I think that's how you say his name. O p e r l e. We'll go with Oprel. Uh, Derek Oprel wrote a nice article, and he came and interviewed us last Friday. Um, asked some great questions. He was a nice guy. Took some good pictures. Um, the one you saw in the paper was a great picture. Um, I wish you took it with the glasses you have on right now. Oh, yeah. That's pretty great. He's wearing pink sunglasses inside. Um, Actually, catch me on Sergey Speaks next week, which uh, Sergey used to be on the show, for those who don't know. Um, And so I'm going to be on... He does a great video series with Mustang TV News. What were you saying? You've you've teased this for about two minutes now. I was... We were just talking about the article. Oh, and okay, okay. It's not teasing it. It's thanking somebody for... Oh, well, giving I us attention. Said, I thought you meant I had. We had. Some well, okay. Point I, I want to thank him for writing that article because he did a nice job, and um, I want to thank you all because I've gotten so many nice comments about the show, 
and what we've done for the school district. Um, like? Like, to, I mean, what we said in the article, it's not a lot of people understand. When we talk, interview somebody, not many people ask them about their job. Yeah, people enjoy... People enjoy talking, talking about, what, about they what they do. Particularly if they really like what they do, which is people we talk to. Which is... Everyone, I would say, that we've talked to has loved their job. They have a genuine love for what they do. So that's the biggest thing. And I, I've been so overjoyed with the amount of uh, the responses we've gotten of with people uh, that have either listened to the show or just figured out about the show and are going to start listening. Um, and I've even had people reach out to me with different ideas now of things that they know, which okay. I'm always open to having, like... Not every day I know that I just know what's going well, on. Yeah. I'm not a wizard. And neither is Jameson. Like, you're not a wizard, are you? No, I wish. So, yeah. Thanks to, uh, thank you, Derek, for writing the article. Um, we really appreciate it. And uh, even Kentucky Secretary of State Michael Adams, he the- retweeted the Paducah Sun and said that we were going places. And uh, it, it's still sad and it, it makes me um, straight to disappointment. No, it makes me sad to think that we have an end date for the show. It's set to. Like, we can't do anything about it. It's the last Saturday of May, which is probably the date of graduation. All right, back to the Super Bowl. But anyway, we've gone back to that, and we've, once again, thank you to that. The biggest thing that everyone is a part of with the Super Bowl is a Super Bowl party. Now, we can't have Super Bowl parties this year, or at least you shouldn't be. Come on, people. Don't have 30 people get together. Just wait till next year. So, what is the best go-to Super Bowl food? Wings. Has to be. So, I have a somewhat controversial statement, but this happened to me a couple years ago. I think wings are good, but you have wings every time at the Super Bowl. I think the best thing to have at a Super Bowl that I've had before is a taco bar. Yeah, but it's like... Wing, <laughs> Sergey's on the other side of the wall. He likes that idea. Somebody did. I forgot who it was that I was at a Super Bowl party with a couple years ago, and they did a taco bar, and it was so good because you like slowly eat. You'll have one taco in the first quarter, two cut tacos in the second. Like you can slowly eat the whole time, and it's just different. Like because everybody does wings, or everybody does pizza, or but it's something like, like that. When you argue that, it's like every Mexican restaurant you've ever been to has served you chips and salsa. What, do you want them to bring you out french fries one time? That's different. That's not the same thing. I, I, I think I love the comparison I just made. I mean, it wasn't bad, but I thought the taco bar for the Super Bowl was great. I thought it was a great idea. But what makes the Super Bowl party? Is it the food or the the how quality the game is? I think it's Okay, so you can have a good Super Bowl party. So we had two years ago, we had the Patriots and the Rams. The Super Bowl was objectively terrible that year. Oh, Nobody my could do anything. Nobody it scored. Was, it was 16 total points. We had six points. 13 at to, half. like, it was 13 to three. Yeah. We had six points at halftime. It was awful. But it was still fun because we had good food and we were good people there. So the Super Bowl party can make up for a good Super Bowl. Now, sometimes you want the Super Bowl party and then a good Super Bowl. And then you're really cooking with gas. Wow. Wow. Like last year, we had a good Super Bowl party, and we had a good Super Bowl. And the Chiefs we had, and the 49ers. And we had some bad beats in there, too. That Hey, that was a good Super Bowl last year. Well, that was in Miami, right? Yeah. 
Sometimes I'm, there's really like horrific bad beat. I don't know if people know what bad beats are. I probably can't talk about it at school. Sports betting, like if you bet on something and something crazy happened to so where like, people lost their money. That's the essential what it is. Yeah. So like last year, they had like there was the, the Chiefs scored a touchdown when they were running the clock out, mm-hmm. and the game went over, and it was like, oh, that was awful. There's an over under, and if you had have the under. Then you got screwed because the Chiefs were the looking over, like under. they were going to win it, and then they went. Oh, the score went over. Anyway, it was like the over under was at fifty, and we had I like we can't talk about gambling. We're high schoolers, yeah, too. I know, but it's so much fun. We're eighteen, like we can't. It's fun to talk about, especially if you know what you're doing, especially if you know what you're watching, and it's just some of them are horrific. That's what's funny, but it's like. If you're a Chiefs coach, you're like, get over it, people. We won the oh, Super Bowl. Oh, they don't care. The, the players don't care. Nobody cares except the people that bet on it. Well, and, the winners. And they, and they are so mad. I will say, um, the people that are at the Super Bowl party are what make the party. It's. I think the food is objectively the second most important thing. If you have good food, it's really hard to have a bad Super Bowl party. But if party. you have a fun time with at the party, regardless, you're going to have a good time at the game. It's going to be a good game. It's going to be good for you, a good experience. So that's, I really don't understand um, a lot of, for like, what is it, all but two teams, their fans really don't care who wins. Uh, it's just saying to watch the Super Bowl. I bet a lot a lot of people normally, because Brady's in it again, a lot of people are either rooting for or against Brady. So people have a rooting interest. Mostly against. There's not very many people that are like, so like last year, a lot of people were probably like, I don't care who wins. Yeah, because it like was the Chiefs. Nobody, nobody has a, a hatred for the Chiefs or the 49ers. And the Chiefs hadn't done that. But a lot of people have a hatred for the, the Patriots. Or Tom Brady. Or Tom Brady. Basically, myself. honestly, if the Patriots made the Super Bowl this year, I would be less mad to root against them because Tom Brady. Because Tom Brady hadn't been there. Yeah. And I love Bill Belichick. Really? I love Bill Belichick. People always say that he's kind of like a jerk, though. I mean, he doesn't talk. It'd be really nice. What's great is when you have a coach that's a good coach and also not objectively like a total, an ass. He's not. Belichick isn't. Anytime you talk to somebody, like you hear a former player speak or something, they never have anything bad to say about him. But whenever you show up at the press conference and you're like, we didn't play good. We're on to Cincinnati. Nobody got that. But Next question. That's what, you, that's what you hear. Next question. Yeah, why would he... That, his that job is not to please the media. The media, but okay. His job is should also be, whenever you lose, to talk about it. Just as the media's job was to be there to cover the game. That's the thing. That yeah, should be part of his job. His job. It's part of your job. Being in the NFL, it's like saying in college basketball, the coach, or sorry, in college football and stuff like that, they always have to do like sideline interviews going into halftime or something like that. In, in the NBA, going into halftime or at the end of the first or something, yeah. they owe, like the coaches are required to give the reporters two questions. Okay. Short, right? Yeah. You should have to talk. You shouldn't just get to be there. But, like, the whole thing is, I don't understand why we even do that. Like, you get nothing from any of that. Like, the post-game interview with the coach, we learn nothing from it. You get more every out of time. listening to the winning team talk. And once again, it's like one of those things, you go deeper into the weeds with sports talk than I do. Yeah. 
Now, baseball. I could go deep with some baseball talk. Talking about analytics and matchup, previous matchups. Anyway, we'll get into that more later. Um, that's our show for today. Um, Wait, we, we have to give our Super Bowl picks. We have a couple more minutes. We don't. I started the clock a little late. All right, Sorry, well, we have to give our picks. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to win. Score? Um, I think the game's going to end um, 42 think the Chiefs are going to score 42 points and the Buccaneers are going to score uh, 31. I'm going to go 31-28. 31-28, three-point game. Yep. I think the Chiefs are going to dominate. I really do. And I think Tom... I Bra- hope you're right. I think Tom Brady is going to uh, struggle at times. Or I think if Tom Brady throws an interception one time, if the I doubt the Chiefs get stopped more than once. I know the Bucks defense is good, but I doubt Patrick Mahomes gets stopped more than once or twice. I think there will not be many I punts. Right. We'll I, don't, I, I don't think there's going to be very many punts at all. Anyway, so we've given our prediction. Both of us think the Chiefs are going to win. Um, come back next week. We've got some exciting things lined up. We'll talk uh, to our transportation director if all continues to work out. Um, then we've got more interviews lined up, including, as we've stated, the Illinois Senator Tammy Duckworth. That's all in our horizon here on The Main Report. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.